0: Good morning, my friends. Welcome to Morning Devotions. I'm your host, Pastor Sumrall, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. This is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and we'll be glad in it. That's a choice. It's a choice to be happy today. You look outside, sunshine and clear skies. I'm looking out my window right now. Have you ever seen the sky so blue in Manila? I'm to go outside and look at it today. It's absolutely amazing. I think I'm looking at the mountains of Bata'an from my window. I saw pictures of the Sahara Madre mountains. People took a picture from EDSA. It's beautiful. My friends, we can find something to rejoice in today. We can find something to be glad in today. Don't allow this thing to get you down. Being happy is a choice. Being discouraged is a choice. Every morning we start with Psalms 91. This is a passage that most of our Bibles will look very marked up in. (laughs) I think this is the third Bible I've marked up. This is my little Psalms that I, I read at night before I go to bed. This is a beautiful, beautiful passage full of the promises of God. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. That's his promise. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks at darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. and notice, it didn't say we won't see the devastation. It just says it will not come near you. We will see it but it's not going to touch us because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The most high who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you. Can you trust him? Paul said that angels are ministering spirits sent to us. Can you trust him that he does this? He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Now, please forgive me. And in no way am I making fun of anything the government has asked us to do with social distancing. But notice, um, sometimes you step on things that will hurt you. Sometimes you step on things that will kill you. There's no social distancing here. You will tread on lion and adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Sometimes, my friends, when you got to buy food, you got to buy food. And sometimes you step on these things. Sometimes they come across your life. (laughs) Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. So I'll protect him because he knows me, because he knows my character. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I was talking with one of our members the other day. They're quite a bit older than me. And they said, well, Pastor Summerall, I've had a good life. I'm ready to go home. I said, excuse me? He said, yes, Pastor Summerall, a lot of older people are dying right now. I said, you're not done living your life yet. With a long life, God said, I will satisfy you. The long is not over yet. We'll get more into that in our passage in Deuteronomy today. But my friends, please lift up your head and be encouraged. And if you're discouraged, let God lift your head. He's called the lifter of our heads. Let God lift your head today. He's the God of eternal encouragement. Father, it's coming up on three weeks. This thing's growing a little long. It's gotten a little hard on people's hearts and lives. Father, I ask that you reach into every home this morning and be the lifter of their heads. I ask that you fill them with joy and fill them with peace and touch them by the power of the Holy Ghost that they can overflow with hope. Father, I thank you that you're real and that you work within our lives today. I ask that you lift the hearts of your sons and your daughters I ask that you lift the hearts of the young people, Lord, that they've never seen times like this. They've they've never been through hard times. This is their first. Let them see how real you are. Let them see the reason for our faith. Let them see the reality of their God in the land of the living, that a new generation, a new generation will draw close to you. Glorify yourself in this thing, Father. We know you didn't do it we know this is all the devil's work father take this thing and bring glory to yourself let this whole world see the wonderfulness of god let this whole world be touched by the power of the holy spirit convincing them of sin and convincing them of righteousness and convincing them of your love oh father in jesus name and lord i pray for our members that are sick in their body, they don't have coronavirus, and right now everybody's kind of ignoring them. The doctors have no time for them. They they can't run to the hospital anymore. It's like the old days, Lord. If you don't heal us, (laughs) we have no hope. But Lord, we do have hope because you are our healer. Father, I ask right now in Jesus' name, bring healing to diabetes. Bring healing to the victims with strokes. Some of the old folks, Lord, let them begin to walk again. Right there in front of the young people and just mess up their brains with a miracle. Oh, Father, right there in the homes today, let healing flow. Let hearts be strengthened. There's Some some of our members, Lord, they've had heart problems. And the doctors keep telling them they're at risk. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, you are the strength of their heart. Reach into those hearts right now. Let these hearts be strengthened in Jesus' name. For those with asthma, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, let this not be a time of fear. Let this be a time of faith. Let this be a time of healing, where every bronchial tube will open and all the flexibility be restored in the name of Jesus. Lungs to be clear and whole and strong in Jesus' name. kidneys, Lord, that have been struggling. Lord, let those creatinine levels just come down in the name of Jesus. Let those kidneys come back alive. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God that restores to original condition. Restore these kidneys, Lord. Let these kidneys come back to life in Jesus' name. I thank you for your healing, Lord. I thank you for healing in the bodies of your people that Jesus, you walk into those homes right now and bring healing. You bring strength into those bodies right now in Jesus' name. Father, for our members that are struggling with finances, Lord, they work daily and they have worked hard, Lord. But now, Father, there's no work. Give them ideas. Let this be a time of new beginnings. Let this time be a, a time of new beginnings. We've heard so many testimonies already, Lord, of people who are being blessed, people who lost their jobs and had no income. You just blessed them. You gave them new work. You gave them new ideas. Father, let it be like an avalanche coming into the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, beloved, put your hope in him. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. He is with you. Just lift up your heart upon your hands right now. Just begin to tell him that you love him. Oh, Father, all the promises that you've made to us just because we love you and just because you love us. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, receive our hearts. Receive our love. Receive our adoration today. We put our hope in you. We have no one else, Lord, to put hope in. (laughs) <laughs> there is no arm of the flesh to trust in right now, Lord. There's just you. Let them see. Oh, Father, let them see how reliable you are. Let them see how faithful you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me now and let's, let's do some worship together. Oh, beloved, during the first part of the year, I taught you that you never know how quickly economies can change. And that's why you always have a a foundational income business for your family, that whatever happens, you're not looking at the high end stuff. You're not looking at things that people, you know, if they have to make choices about money, they they won't do that. Requires high disposable income. Isn't that interesting? They call it disposable income. In other words, you can dispose of it. And some of you looked at me and said, Pastor, these are good days. And you know what? They were. And you had no comprehension how quickly things could turn. And we just saw how life can change with something like a little virus. And the whole world, the whole world is shut down. My friends, God did not send this. God is good. And His mercy endures forever. Everything that is evil and bad comes from the devil, like what I heard years ago. God, good. If it's good, it comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. If it's bad, it's the devil. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But it's interesting how God can do some very beautiful things in our lives. This evening, I'm going to continue to teach you about dependence, about lessons that we learn in this season. And I I wrote this thought down the other day, and before he brought Israel into a place of independence. Now this has nothing to do with wealth. When they left Egypt, they plundered Egypt. They left, they went from poverty to great wealth in a night. He brought them into a place of independence. He brought them first into a place of dependence. In the wilderness, they ate the manna. They drank water from the rock. Their clothes did not wear out. Right now, We're in a place where we've had to learn dependence. And especially to the new young generation, young people, you're learning. You're learning something that is a beautiful lesson to learn. He will never leave you. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. And young people, you're learning firsthand the reality of God. You're you're learning. I can depend on God. Before he ever puts you into a place of financial independence, like in the promised land, he brings you through a journey of dependence so that you know, this is not my own hand, this is not my own strength. Everything in my life I have because God has been good to me. In this season, young people, you're going to learn why some of us that are a little older than you, not much, but a little older than you, have such an understanding of the faithfulness of God. I was laughing with Brother Josh on Instagram Live this morning. We did an early call to Ghana. And you know, I said, it was 40 years ago and 100 pounds ago. Um, I was 100 pounds lighter. That, that's almost a scary thought. God has been good to us, my friends. Young people, you're learning the faithfulness of God. All right, let's get into the Word today. Luke chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. There were some present at that very time who told him, told Jesus. We, we want to report to you something, Jesus. Who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now that's, that's pretty disgusting. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them. Do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now notice, people tend to look upon calamity coming into people's lives as an evidence of their sin. And Jesus said, no, I, I tell you, that's not true. You know, it, it's amazing to me. Like right now you, you see people and, well, you know, they have cancer. What did they do? You know, we, we come up with all these blame games that put guilt on top of people's lives. And it's, it's a common way of thinking. It says, this is how you think. Do you think? This is how you think. Jesus said, but how you think is not correct. You have stinking thinking, all right? How you how you think is not correct. When you see somebody and and they have a huge financial crisis, or they have a physical problem in their body, or or the, a family member is killed in a landslide, you have no right to sit there and think that they're worse than anybody else. There's just a big ugly devil out there, my brothers and sisters. So let, let's not let's start think about people in these. Terms. And he told them a parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. If not, then you can cut it down. Now, I want you to notice, God always expects fruit to be born. Now, to be honest, I expect at COP we will come out of this stronger and bearing more fruit than we have ever born. I expect every family to come out of this being more evangelistic and more seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness than ever before. I expect us to come out of this sowing seed and honoring God like we've never done it before. I expect to come out of this with people sitting down and telling people about Jesus every day of their lives, like never before. but he said this tree isn't bearing any fruit at all. Now, here is a great truth for some of you in leadership. Sometimes you need to temper your expectations to allow for growth now if if you keep pushing for your expectations, you'll kill you'll kill the whole situation. Sometimes when you look at an employee in your company, sometimes when you look at another Christian leader, and you see there's no fruit being born, it would be really easy to really put on the pressure. And in doing so, there'll never be fruit. But notice is that let it alone. Sometimes as a leader, you just have to back up and let that person have an opportunity to grow. Get some manure around it, and that's just fertilizer, by the way. We're not talking about bad things, but, you know, you put some fertilizer around it and give it an opportunity to grow a little bit more, and then let's see if there can be some fruit. Sometimes you temper your expectations while you allow growth, and then you're going to see people bear great fruit. Verse 10, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who had a disabling spirit. Now notice there's different kinds of demon spirits. There's unclean spirits. There's spirits of blindness and muteness. And this was a disabling spirit. For 18 years she was bent over and could not straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid hands on her. Now let's just back up the bus for a minute. See, we always think that we initiate the healing. And we have that right. If anyone is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. We think that we have the right to initiate healing for a friend. Jesus, would you take a look at my mother-in-law? Jesus, uh, here's our friend. We brought you our friend. But I want you to notice here, Jesus initiated the miracle. Jesus is more wonderful than you can ever imagine. Jesus saw this woman. He had eyes to see. He saw this woman and he called her over. No no one pointed her out to him. She, She didn't come to touch the hem of his garment. He just saw this woman and he called her over. He initiated the miracle. Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, First, there's the removal of the spirit. You are freed from your disability. It was a disabling spirit. And then he laid hands on her. Sometimes you have to speak to the demon first, and then you lay hands for the rest of the miracle. But to me, the beautiful central truth of this whole thing is Jesus initiated a miracle. Have you ever been sick in your body? And maybe, forgive me, you just learned to live with it. It was just... It wasn't a sickness unto death. It was just, you know, something that was there in your body, like this disabled spirit, and you had just learned to live with it. And then one day, sitting in church, you didn't even realize it, but you were healed. One of my favorite stories of this comes from a woman in one of our T.L. Osborne Crusades years ago, there in the Rizal Baseball Stadium, and so many miracles happened that night. I was just bawling like a baby, watching the miracles just. I'd never seen anything like it in my whole life. Talk about seeing the reality of God. I mean, no, no emotions, no push, just a simple prayer. And the miracles began to happen. And one of our members had a leg that was like four inches shorter than the others. She wore this big built-up shoe. And she was having trouble walking as she went home that night. And she realized her leg had been lengthened. No one had prayed for her. She had not even prayed for herself. My friends, this is how wonderful Jesus is. Sometimes he just interrupts your life with a miracle. You've just learned to live with something, and you don't even think about that sickness. You don't even think about that that problem in your body anymore. But Jesus sees it, and he initiates the miracle. And he laid his hands on her. Now, again, that's a woman. And immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, now here's this beautiful miracle. Everybody should have been crying tears of joy and laughing and shouting. But the ruler of the synagogue, that would be like the pastor. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, and notice he doesn't correct Jesus. You know what? That's one of the things that really bugs me in life. What I would call weak preachers who go and ba 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 to people because they don't have the courage to face the man of God. This guy did not have the courage to face Jesus. He didn't turn and say, Jesus, you were wrong. He turned to the people. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which one ought to work. Work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. Now, in short, he's criticizing Jesus to people because he has no courage to turn and face Jesus. But think of the shame he brought on that woman. Think of the shame. This woman wasn't even looking for a miracle. She hadn't even been thinking about a miracle. Jesus initiated the whole thing, and this guy shames her and tries to take all the joy out of a healing. I mean, just... Talk about robbing the joy out of a miracle. He shamed the woman. But Now, you know what? The Lord didn't turn and talk to the people. The Lord didn't defend himself before the people. <laughs> See, Jesus has courage. Then the Lord answered him. Now, notice the difference. The ruler is playing to the crowds. Jesus is addressing him. There's a difference in manhood there, but I'll leave that alone. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? Don't you take care of your animals on the Sabbath? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? As he said these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame. Ah, so notice this crowd that this ruler was playing to uh, agreed with the ruler. <laughs> Jesus was healing before a hostile crowd. I just, you know, we, we always talk about the atmosphere has to be right. and If people aren't there of faith, no miracles can happen. And you know what, here we have a hostile atmosphere. And Jesus just goes and does a miracle anyway. Initiates it himself. Folks, the atmosphere is irrelevant. It is the power and the character of God that is relevant. (laughs) And as he said this, all his adversaries, in other words, this ruler of the synagogue was preaching to people who agreed with him. They were put to shame. Now, you know, Pastor, is it really right to put people to shame? Well, these people had put that woman to shame they're just reaping what they sowed. All his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. The people loved it. The people loved it. Ah, the religious leaders, they had a problem with it, but you know what? Please forgive me. Jesus loves people. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Deuteronomy chapter 30 today. Just a couple of days and we'll be finishing Deuteronomy and being to Joshua. Deuteronomy chapter 30 beginning of verse 11. Moses writes, For this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Say, now, wait a minute. I've heard those words before. Where did I hear those words before? The Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 10, verse 18. Paul quotes from this passage, teaching us about principles of faith. (laughs) See, faith is not a new covenant truth, faith is just a God truth. Sometimes people need to quit breaking the Bible up into all this dispensationalist thinking. So Paul, quoting from here, teaching us about faith, it is the word in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. In your heart and in your mouth, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks the truths of the confession of faith, the truths of of confessing our faith, confessing the promises of God, all of this begins back here in the law. Oh, see, I have set before you today, life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, keeping his commands and his statutes. Now notice, here's that loving God stuff again. See, again, everybody says the Old Testament is all about rules and regulations. The New Testament is all about relationship. Excuse me. It has always been about relationship. By loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and keeping his commands and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, now there's that relationship thing. Have you ever been talking to a person and you knew their heart had turned away? You know that their heart was no longer with you. I've sat down with people that at one time their heart and my heart were right together. And when I sat down with them for a coffee, I realized their heart's no longer in this. Their heart is no longer in this relationship. They're here out of a courtesy. They're here out of duty but their heart's not here. Every relationship requires the heart to be there. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, okay? Why why will not people not hear? Why do people not listen to you? Their heart's not there. But drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you will surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over to the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth, to witness against you today, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Therefore, choose life. (laughs) Life is a choice. Curses are a choice. Death is a choice. Therefore, choose life, that you and your offspring may live. Loving, There's there's that relationship again. Loving, there's that greatest commandment again, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and your length of days. Now, just just park here for a minute. When the, the religious leader came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, well, what, you, what, what do you say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And Jesus said, you've answered well. Do you see how often the truth comes out here? See, we always make the law about, you know, these little archaic commands and the Ten Commandments. But the whole core of it is relationship. Loving by loving the Lord your God. Loving the Lord your God. It's all about loving God. God never intended it to be a bunch of rules and regulations. God never intended it to be like the Constitution of the Philippines and laws that we live by. It was always intended to be relationship, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. And then notice how he is described, for he, God, is your life and length of days. (laughs) I write, wow, next to that verse in my Bible. He is my life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He is your life. He is your length of days. You want to know why you have a long life? Because he's in your life. He is your length of days. I don't even know how to begin to to explain to you. Christianity has so destroyed our understanding of the Old Testament. So destroyed our understanding. I, I listened to a preacher not too long ago, very famous. He stood up and said, you know... We don't need to pay attention to the Ten Commandments in any of the Old Testament. Uh, the Beatitudes is our new Ten Commandments. And I'm going, he said, you know, we should as Christians dismiss everything in the Old Testament. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. How can you do that? How can you dismiss this incredible revelation of God that Paul said, pay attention to the public reading of Scripture? in the services. He told Timothy that. What were they reading? What I'm reading right now. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and your length of days, that you may dwell in the land the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Chapter 31, verse 1. So Moses continued to speak these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. (laughs) Is that Moses' birthday that he writes this on? I am 120 years old today. That is his birthday? I heard scholars go both directions on it. I am no longer able to go out and come in. All right, now we see a reality of age. Don't like it, but we see a reality of age. Moses' eye did not grow dim, and his body did not grow weak. But there came a point where he said, I am no longer able to go out and come in. Age affects ability. Age affects ability. Now, for our seniors... I'm a senior too. Now I know I don't attend the seniors' birthday party every month at the church because we have all the seniors gather together and we celebrate birthdays. Every and all the seniors say, "Oh, Pastor will join us every month now." Number one, you know me in parties. I I don't know how to party. I know how to work. All right, but with all of our seniors, hear me on this. There comes a point where we step back and we operate in wisdom, but but we let other people carry the load. There will come a day of Jesus tarries where I will no longer be able to carry the load of COP. Age affects ability. And there will come that day and I will have to step back and others who are strong will have to step forward and carry the load of COP. This is the reality of life. Now, now some of you, you've gotten older. Please forgive me. You don't move as fast as you're used to. Your knees aren't quite what they used to be. You don't have the strength to do what you used to do. Now, now, please, those of you who are seniors, let's just be honest. Like When I was in my 20s and even early 30s, I could go three, four days without even going to bed and just keep working. Thank God I have more wisdom now. Thank God we have computers now. It doesn't take as long to do things like it used to take. I used to spend 40 hours on one sermon. With computers now, sorting verses and digging through things, it doesn't take me but maybe 10 or 12 hours to put together a sermon now. Now, when you begin to understand our age, you realize we can't do what we used to do. That's not something to be ashamed of. Now, we can do more than sometimes the young people think, like... A young man saw me walking the other day, and he came up and grabbed my briefcase and said, Pastor, I'll carry this for you. And I looked at him and I said, dude, I'm not dead. You know, sometimes, young people, you have to understand, we don't like to be treated like we're helpless. But at the same time, seniors, sometimes we have to understand age affects ability. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. Moses said, don't worry, I'm not going, but God's going. You got the better part of this deal. God's going with you. See, sometimes in the transition of leadership, people think that God's gone. No, God's not gone. You got the best part. God's going, but the leader, well, we can't keep up anymore. The Lord your God himself will go over before you. He will destroy these nations before you so that you shall dispossess them. And Joshua will go go over at your head, as the Lord has spoken. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Shihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their lands when he destroyed them. And the Lord will give them over to you, and you shall do to them according to the whole commandment that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous, do not fear or be in dread of them. And then he says, listen, this is what I require of my people. I require number one, that you be strong. And number two, that you be courageous. And number three, that you don't walk in fear and dread. Say, well, Pastor, how can we as a people make sure those things are not a part of our life? For it is the Lord who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. It's just that simple. As we move into the great building project for Remain, we should not be afraid. Okay, this. This virus has thrown us a curveball, but we're not afraid. We will finish everything God gave us to. We're not in fear. We're not in dread. Why? Because God goes with us. God will not leave us. God will not forsake us. You just have to keep those truths in your heart. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel. So he tells the people not to be afraid. And why? And now he says, Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people, into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. He said, all right, Joshua, I've told the people not to be afraid. I'm telling you not to be afraid. Now, here are your reasons, Joshua, not to be afraid. God goes before you. He's your your shield. He's he's your advance party he will be with you he will not leave you he will not forsake you so the people had to be told not to be afraid because god's with them will not forsake them and the leaders had to be told the same thing verse 9 then moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests and the sons of levi who carried the ark of the covenant of the lord and to all the elders of israel and moses commanded them at the end of every seven years, the set time in the year of release, at the Feast of the Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose. Now, how often have we heard that, at the place that he will choose? God never showed Moses Jerusalem. (laughs) God never showed that to him. At the place, but the people didn't go look for it either until King David. You shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Every year, once a year, the people should hear the whole law. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear or respect the Lord your God, and be careful to do all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. And and the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the day approaches when you must die. All right, so, well, let me just read the rest, then I'll come back to this. That when you must die, call Joshua and present yourselves in the tent of meeting that I may commission him. And the Lord and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tent of meeting. And the Lord appeared in the tent in the pillar of cloud, and the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers. You're about to lie down with your fathers. It's about time to die. Now, there's a couple of things here. Personally, I believe God lets us know when it's about time to go, especially for leaders, so that you can make the transition. But I also want you to notice that Moses died. Now, you've often heard me teach in our eschatology truths that the two witnesses that will Be in the temple. And and the two witness truth is one of the most beautiful things in the whole book, the whole tribulation period to me. The Antichrist sets up his statutes there and demands that the whole world worship him, but God still has a remnant. The two witnesses stay in that temple all day, every day, and you can't kill them. (laughs) It's like God's going, you know what? I'm God. I'm going to do what I want. I'm sovereign. You can't stop me. So the Antichrist might be ruling people, but the Antichrist is confronted with the reality of God every day in those two witnesses. Now, I've told you that the identity of those two witnesses, I believe, are Enoch and Elisha, not Moses. Many people think it's Moses because he appeared to Jesus in the, on the Mount of Transfiguration. But notice, Moses died. He said, for you must die. You will lie down with your fathers. Moses did physically die. It's appointed unto a man once to die. There is no resurrection from the dead physically in this body except Jesus. All right? So it's been appointed unto a man once to die. So this is not going to be a reincarnation of Moses. Elisha and Enoch were two men who were taken and they did not physically die. They will come back to this physical earth as the two witnesses in the great tribulation. Then this people. continues there in verse 16. Then this people will rise and whore after the foreign gods. Now go through the book of Judges, and this is one of the saddest truths of God's people. Whenever leaders die, people turn to sin. Strong leaders keep people living right. Now I know we don't like that truth, but Strong leaders keep people living right. In fact, Paul even said, "Listen, I know that when I depart, savage wolves will come in among, not sparing the flock." You have to understand that in the in the absence of strong leadership, people will rise and whore after foreign gods among them in the land that they are entering, and they will forsake me and break my covenant that I have made with them. Then, in my anger, I will be kindled. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them now. That's a scary thought. God hides his face from us. That, that's, that's beyond scary. And they will be devoured. Now, that's what happened when God hides his face. We're destroyed. And they will be devoured. And many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, have not all these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day because of all the evil they have done, because they have turned to other gods. I can't even imagine what it would be like for God to turn his face away. God just turn away. Now, therefore, write this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be as a witness for me against the people of Israel. For when I have brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to give to their fathers, and they have eaten and are full and have grown fat, They will turn to other gods and serve them and despise me and break my covenant. Now, look at that. God says, I do everything for them, and they go worship these other gods. Now, before you think that that's totally ludicrous, have you ever noticed that the people that you help the most are the people who turn against you? Have you ever had somebody that you were so good to, and they don't have the time of day for you, because somebody new came along that attracted their attention. This is the human heart. After all that God had done for them, they took everything God gave for them and then turned to other gods and served them and despised me and break my covenant. And when many evils and troubles have come upon them, this song shall confront them as a witness, for it will live unforgotten in the mouth of their offspring. I know what they are inclined to do even today before I have brought them into the land that I swore to give them. Then God, why did you do it? Because he loves us. (laughs) So Moses wrote this song the same day and taught it to the people of Israel. I like that. Moses had never written a song before. Now Moses writes a song in one day and teaches it to a million people. Ah, That's pretty cool. When Moses had finished writing the words of this law in the book to the very end, Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, take this book of the law and put it, in the side, put it by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, for it will be there as a witness against you. I'm sorry, let's back up here. We skip verse 23. And the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous. For you shall bring the people of Israel into the land I swore them, I will be with you. Now, the command for leadership, be strong and courageous. The promise for leadership, I will be with you. That's something every Google group leader must understand. Be strong and courageous, God will be with you. The command and the promise for leadership. When Moses had finished writing the words of this law in a book to the very end, Moses commanded the Levites who carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Take this book of the law and put it by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there as a witness against you. For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today, while I'm yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? Moses understood. In the absence of strong leadership, when a leader dies, people do strange things. Assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their ears, and call heaven and earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly, and turn aside from the way I have commanded you. And in the days to come evil will befall you, because you will do what is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger through the work of your hands. Now, again, go through the book of Judges and watch the roller coaster of spirituality. That's the book of Judges. They lived for God, a leader died. They served demon gods. In their pain and misery, after the the judgment came upon them, they cried out to God, God sent them another leader, brought them into victory. The leader died, they went down. In their misery and suffering and pain, they cried out, God sent them another leader. They returned to God and God gave them a leader. Brothers and sisters, it is very important that you remember the strength of leadership and the ability of leadership to keep people pointed to God. Well, bless God, I have a personal relationship with God. Yeah, Yeah, me too. But it is amazing how the strength of leadership keeps people focused on God. Sheep need a shepherd. When people pull away from the church and they want to go off and do their own thing, it is amazing how far they turn from God, how quickly. Let's keep our lives focused on Jesus, but let's keep our hearts open to the leaders that God has placed among us. God bless you. I see you tonight, seven o'clock.